Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Man, oh man. Uh, this is family. I love this. You guys are family. You're extended family. I'm, your co- I'm Cousin Eddie from down south. <laughs> Uh, so we parked the, the Winnebago out back, uh, things get full. So just hold your nose. Um, (laughs) any, any, uh, national lampoon fans, you know, that reference. Yeah. (laughs) My name is John Cahill. I'm from Livingston, Tennessee. Um, pastor of Livingston first church. Um, I'm here with my beautiful wife, Cynthia Cahill, and my youngest daughter, Emma Cahill. Give them a round of applause. Look how beautiful they are. They're just amazing. Also, uh, with Mike and Pastor Mike and Pastor Amanda Graf, uh, they're also pastors on staff at the church. And tonight, Mike is going to bring the fire. So uh, I double dog dare you to come back at 630. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Don't be a chicken liver. Go get your... I did it. I told you I would go get your Mexican food after this service, take a nap and come back to receive. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. We're going to have fun tonight. Uh, and this morning, uh, I'm really just honored and privileged to be with you today. I really feel, uh, a deep connection and bond. Uh, you guys are our family, extended family, but family nonetheless. And a week you're bringing a team of 20 to our church to do some uh, mission work in Appalachia, and we're ecstatic for that. So pray for that team, uh, cover them in your prayers, uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun. And it, it just really is wonderful that we've built uh, this this connection and this relationship together. I think we're going to do a lot together in the future. I'm excited uh, to be here. Your church is beautiful. Your pastors are wonderful. Man, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, amen. Double amen. And let's pray. I want to get into it. I want to see what the Lord wants to do. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. Come on. Holy Spirit, we make ourselves available to you. Yeah, I love that. The honey from the rock, from the hard places of life, we find your sweet presence. So Lord, I pray right now that anyone coming in here with with anxiety or struggles, Lord, that that place of turmoil would be turned into a place of sweetness, a place of refreshing. Holy Spirit, just as we worship you in song, in spirit and in truth, Holy Spirit, we now want to worship you, Jesus, through the reading and the teaching of your word. God, would you transform us and would you wash us with your word? Would you empower us to be the church, God, through the preaching of your word? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I really love the word. Um, This, well, this, the word, the the spoken word of God that's been transcribed into text is the bread that we we live from on a daily basis. And sometimes we forget, uh, we we, we make it sort of like an afterthought in church worship uh, settings. Like we we are excited during the, the playing of music and the singing, which is wonderful and beautiful. And this worship team is on fire, by the way. Justin, that was awesome. But also we're worshiping when we read and receive the word, right? We're worshiping when we read and we see, receive the word. And that worship looks like transformation that we 
extend our hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, cut back anything that needs cut back. Cut back anything that needs cut back. Transform anything that needs to be transformed. I want to worship you through your word. I want to be more like you, Jesus, because of what your word says. That's worship, right? And this weekend, we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about the church that goes out into the the peoples or the nations and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can't preach that which you do not know. You can't go talk about something that you've not immersed yourself in. (laughs) Actually, that's probably the biggest problem in our society right now. We want to be experts on many things, but know nothing. (laughs) Let's go scroll through your social media platform. Everybody has an opinion on everything, but nobody is immersed in what they believe. Nobody's actually willing to fight for the truth because nobody wants to discover the truth because the truth always sets you free, but freedom requires confrontation. And I believe part of my anointing and gift set that I have is I'm an irritator. (laughs) I like to just like barely press on the top of your toe just to get your blood to flow again, just to get you to think, man, maybe there's something I should get excited about and what I'm called to do and who I'm called to be. And I feel like part of my anointing is I want to restore the fight spirit back into the church. (laughs) I want to, yeah, fight club. First rule of fight club. Tell everyone about who Jesus is. That's the first rule. We just rewrote the rule book. And who are we fighting? We're not fighting people. There's not like this war that we're preparing for. That's nonsense. We're fighting against powers and principalities in heavenly realms and high places because you are radical about your faith, because you've said yes to Jesus, because you are giving him all that you are. You've been positioned and empowered to pull down the high places of the enemy strongholds in the world around you. Go with me to Matthew five, verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14. This is Jesus teaching. He says, you are the light of the world. That's a heavy statement, my friend. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Let me just kind of restate what Jesus says in Matthew, that you are the light of the world. You're not a representation of the light in the world. You're not kind of like what it should seem like to be the light in the world. Without you, there is no light in the world that you've been placed. You are the light of the world. You have been empowered and illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light into the dark places that you have been placed. Do you feel like that all the time? (laughs) No, probably not. That's why our feelings can't be our compass. See, feelings are great indicators of things that need confrontation, of places where we need freedom. But feelings are not meant to be our compass. They're not our navigational beacon. The word is our beacon. And Jesus said, you're the light of the world. See, Jesus's plan for salvation on the earth was not your pastor was not the programs of the church is not the things that you watch on YouTube. It's not what you think it's who you know to be. 
You are the light of the world. So if you're waiting for somebody else to come into your family, to come into your business, to come into your place of day to day, to teach the things of God, don't hold your breath. It's you. You're the one. He said, you are the light of the world. That's a heavy statement coming from the one who also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. And then he said, you know what? I'm establishing my ecclesia, my church to be like a city on the hill that they would actually become the light that illuminates and draws people back to me. But you've got to actually believe you are who you say, he says you are. See, Christianity is not passive. Christianity following Jesus is not a spectator sport. It is actually a kingdom of violence and violent men take it by force. See, you can't just sit back, wait and hope things change and pray your way out of, of your situations in life. You actually have to become who you're called to be. See, prayer is not to, to twist and give Indian uh, rub burns to, to father God. We're not going, God, please do what I need you to do. No, we're saying, God, please change me. So I can become who I was created to be. See, when you begin to fight for who you really are, the light begins to flow out of you unimpeded. See, if you want to fight for the world around you, if you want to reveal God's love to the places that you're called to, the fight begins with you. That I would begin to be the person that Jesus has called me to be. That I would quit being passive, not only about my relationship with Jesus, but also with the relationships that he's put me in on this earth. We are playing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. There's nobody else coming to do the things that Christ needs to do on the earth. It's his bride. It's his church. We have to unplug ourselves from the social narrative. We have to turn off our TVs, our computers, our cell phones, choose to get into his word, choose to be saturated in the life of Jesus, and then be empowered to go out and have impact. <laughs> you know, a, a startling statistic, less than 1% of American churchgoers have brought somebody to Christ. Less than 1%. 99% have just shown up to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays if they're devoted and done nothing with what they know. That's terrifying. But it makes sense that we're living in a world that's out of control because the people who hold the responsibility of teaching others who Jesus is are silent. We're scared. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to lose our dignity. This is the reason the world is the way it is. If we were shining according to how we're called to shine, people would come. I promise you. <laughs> I want to tell you a story about uh, this new guy who came to our church in Livingston. He came to our church chasing a girl, which, you know, already my red flags are up. And the antenna's like, beep, 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 seek, destroy. <laughs> right, pastors? Yeah, you know the drill. <laughs> He's like, I'm ready. Right. He comes up. He's like, Hey, I want to meet with you and, and just kind of talk to you while, about why I'm here. I'm like, I know why you're here, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll sit and talk. So he comes up. He says, we, we have our meeting. He says, I'm an atheist. Said, okay. Interesting. He said, I'm an atheist, but I'm curious about following Jesus. I want to know about your faith. So is it okay if I come to church on a regular basis? 
Uh, duh, yeah, please bring your friends. You want me to make like flyers for you or something? I, like, dude, this is like a pastor's dream. Like, come on. So he starts coming to church faithfully, right? Of course, there's a draw from the, the pretty lady he's chasing, which is, you know, it's fine. But he's coming to church and he's learning and he, he comes up to me and he's like, I need to have another meeting with you. Okay, sure, we can have a meeting. So we have another meeting. And it really was just a meeting of him telling me how weird we all are. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're weird. Like, we're not of this world. You know that bumper sticker that you see? We're trying to actually embody that here. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this is really weird. I hate it that you guys just like sing the same songs over and over and over and over and over again for hours. I hate it uh, that people get up and they just talk about things that are, that seem so far-fetched and, and uh, fanatical. I just, I don't like it. But I'm, every week that I come here, every week that I'm, I come here, I feel like my body has electricity flowing through it. <laughs> okay. That's not the best part. It feels like my body has electricity flowing through it. But I also, while I'm feeling this excitement and joy and peace, I also have this extreme regret and guilt about how I'm living my life. Whoa, that's like honey hole. Do you have friends? Like, can I come home with you and like go to work and we can talk to people together? And he's like, you know, he, he, this is it. This is what we want to see as the church, right? So I'm like, okay, I totally understand. Things don't make sense to you. It's really weird. I, I get that. Thank you for coming and pushing through. He's like, yeah, I still want to keep coming. I don't like it, but I want to keep coming. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I think you should. Then he said this. This was the best part. He said, hey, the thing that irritates me the most is you guys have these times of healing, right? Where you, we, and we do, like, we have altar times, and, and sometimes we pray specifically for physical healing. Sometimes we do prophecy. And he said, you have these times of healing, and one of the, the weeks where you had the time of healing, this lady got up and said to everybody listening that Jesus had healed her knees. Like she had arthritis pain and the pain was excruciating. And then Jesus healed her knees. He said, that sounds so ridiculous and stupid. Are you kidding? This is his words, not mine. Are you kidding me? We all have aches and pains and, and body issues. We just deal with it. That's life. I didn't answer. I just, okay, that's. He said, I've got extreme back pain. I've had it for years. I just work through it every day. I don't complain or tell anybody about it. I'm not expecting something for, from God if he's real. I said, that's just your opinion. This is what the truth says. This is why we do this. He said, okay, fine, whatever. I'll be back next Sunday. I said, okay, just real quick before you leave, can I just say a quick prayer for your back? He hated it. He thought it was silly. I just said, Jesus, bless this guy's back. And we parted ways. Comes to church week two, week three, week four, like the fourth or fifth week, we're an hour in singing the same worship. You know how we do. We're just like, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love for an hour in he's crying on the side of the church, crying, weeping, weeping, snot, tears, face red. This, this guy is ex Marine. He's tough and he's weeping. So I walk over to him gently. And I say, Hey, are you just ready to give your life to Jesus now? And he goes, yeah, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. He gives his life to Jesus. Hold on, it gets better. Don't clap yet. It gets better. He gives his life to Jesus. And then I, I just had, you know, a wild hair. I said, you want to get up and testify in front of the church about what God is doing? And you know, that can be dangerous with the new folks, especially the new atheists that just get saved. 
He's like, yeah, I'd like to do that. I don't know what to say. And I just said, just tell people what Jesus is doing right now. He gets up there. He gets, he comes, goes to the stage. He says, guys, you don't know me. I don't really know you, but I want to tell you right now that I gave my life to Jesus. I've been coming to this church week after week. I've experienced the same thing every week, extreme electricity in my body, joy, peace. I've never experienced before, but also this weird sense of shame and remorse over the way I'm living my life. And I've decided today that I want to change my life, hand my heart over to Jesus. And you know, this is my language kind of telling you what he said, but this is the best part. He said this. And the thing that I, I came here critiquing the most was the healing thing, right? You guys get up here and talk about God, do this, God, do that, asking him for all these favors. And I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I met with Pastor John. He prayed for my, ma- my back. My back has been hurting for like a decade. It's completely healed. <laughs> he said, the, the reason I keep coming back is because not, again, my words, not because of the programs you have, not because of the music. He actually hated the music, not because of the, the, the teaching. You know, I'm a pretty good preacher, but let's be honest. People get bored of it after a while. I came back because there was a singular people who were real and honest with themselves, but passionate about their pursuit of Jesus. That was his words. That was his words. He said, I keep coming back because you people are freaking weird. You're weird, but you're honest. You're intentional and you're united for one thing. Not a political party. Not, not a preference of the carpet color, not like because the music is better here than it is over there. You people show up to worship Jesus. That's attractive. Folks, the way we're going to reach the world is not by creating more programs or better system or better practices. He already told us what to do, which is to go into all the nations. The way we're going to do it is by being honest with ourselves allowing Holy Spirit to search us as Psalms 139 says, Holy Spirit, search me, know me, seek me, confront those things in me that don't look like you so that I can be led upon the path of righteousness. Did you know there's a path of righteousness? Did you know that you have a destiny and a call and a purpose to your life that you're not just supposed to sit here and float? You're not just supposed to wait for the next best preacher to come along or the next revival service, you have a destiny you're walking into. It's called the path of righteousness. And you move forward in that path by going to war in against the things in you that don't look like Jesus. And as you go to war against those things that are leading you away, you go further into what you're called. See, your problem is not the devil. He's been defeated. He's the greatest loser in the history of the universe. The gospels say that he was a public mockery after Jesus was finished with him. He's a total chump. He'll never have the upper hand on your life. Your problem is not that God doesn't love you or favor you. Ephesians 1 dealt with that. It says from the foundations of the earth, God chose you to be holy and righteous in Jesus. You're chosen. Isn't that great? Your problem is you. Get out of the way of yourself. Your problem is your unwillingness to confront the things within that don't look like him and then passionately move forward through the power of conviction. 
See, this is what I saw through that, that atheist gentleman who came to our church. He was dealing with conviction, but the power of grace was so overwhelming in his life that the conviction wasn't perverted into shame. See, conviction is not an admission of guilt. It's recognizing that you fell for something you were not created for. And then saying, Jesus, I'm not going to allow this, this revelation that I've been deceived to get me to feel sorry for myself, to get me stuck in a pity party. I'm going to allow you to provoke it. I'm going to allow you to poke it and do things to move it out of my life so I can continue to move forward in your call for me. See, purity is not being perfect. Okay, purity is not being perfect. It's being honest. It's being honest and saying, Jesus, I need you to examine me. There's a dying world that needs to see the light that you've called me to be. I need to be honest before you so you can rip the darkness out of me. We, we really just need an encounter with God's love is what we need. I want, I want to tell you another story. I want to tell you my story real quick. So I grew up uh, in South Florida before I moved. I've been in Tennessee for a decade or over a decade, probably close to 13 years now, something like that. Got saved about 14 years ago uh, in South Florida. It's just crazy. It's only been 14 years. So nuts. (laughs) Like yesterday. And before that, I was unsaved, uh, rebellious towards God, so angry, uh, just completely consumed with pleasing myself, right? Drinking, drugs, all that stuff you do when you, when you don't believe there's something after this life, okay? That's, that's just what you do. And I'm just like totally living for my own life. I'm, I've been divorced once at, at uh, the, the age of, the ripe old age of 21. Got a, I got a kid that I'm just like totally blowing it as a parent with, and my life is just a mess, and um, I'm just doing, doing my own thing. And w- one night I'm walking home from a bar and uh, I put, picked a fight. See, I told you, it's, it's kind of my gift. I picked a fight with five guys. Yeah, you know, you know what they did to me, right? They put me in the hospital. Yeah, they like, skull was fractured. My teeth were coming through my lips, like just a mess, blood everywhere. The EMS saw me and they thought that I was dead because the blood had just like, I know that's graphic. You don't want to hear that. Anyways, I was in the hospital and I was laying there thinking, man, my life is going to end abruptly if I don't do something quickly. I've, I've got to figure this out. So I, I created my own system of morals to try to live by. How many of you have ever tried to do that, do that before? It doesn't work. You just, it's just like a, a new form of stupid. So I'm trying to live life in my own system of morals, in my own way and do my own thing. And I'm kind of keeping it together. I'm keeping a job. And I remember uh, it was New Year's Eve, 2009, right? New Year's Eve, 2009. And um, I'm at a New Year's Eve party in downtown Sarasota. And what they did uh, during those days is they dropped this giant pineapple at midnight. It was you know, a, a glowing pineapple. <laughs> Happy New Year. That's what it was. And I'm at this thing, looking cool, doing my thing. And I, I run into this young lady that was there, my wife. Yeah. And I had eyes for her. She had eyes for me. We exchanged phone numbers. We start dating. 
She was actually uh, touring the country for uh, picking out her next, uh, her, her medical residency. And I thought, man, this girl is smart. She's pretty. She's got everything I probably need to continue moving along this set of morals and standards in my life. And so I'm thinking, I think this is going to work. This seems like it's going to be a great thing for my life. And uh, we're driving home from a date one night. I had spent all of the money that I didn't have on this fancy fish restaurant. It was amazing. So good. And on the way home, I'm like, yeah, this is it. I'm the best there ever was. Like, fancy pants McGee, I'm ready to go. And we're, we're coming home from the date. And she says this thing to me. She asked me this question. She goes, hey, this is seeming like it's headed in a good direction. But before we move any further, I've got to know one thing. Are you a believer? I was like, what? What does that even mean, a believer? Like, believe in what? <laughs> and she said, do you believe in Jesus? And I'm thinking, Jesus, you mean like the cook at the restaurant? Like, who are we talking about? Hey, Zeus, I, I don't. She said, no, no, no. Do you believe the Bible is true? Do you, do you, have you put your faith in Jesus? And I said, uh, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And uh, the fact that you would ask me that is extremely offensive. Yeah, that's what I said. And, uh, you know, she wasn't really making the best choices at that time in life. There's been a lot of process between then and now. But she had enough sense to say this really important thing. Hey, I really like you. I know we've kind of been seeing each other doing this thing, having fun. But this is a a line in the sand for me. We're going to have to break up. I was like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Hey, ladies, if they don't know Jesus, they don't need you. You know what I'm saying? Kick them to the curb girlfriend, get them out. <laughs> so she, she breaks up with me and I'm like, what in the world? How could she, what in the, and I go right back into the, the world of depravity, drinking drugs, uh, promiscuity, all the stuff you shouldn't be doing. And I think, and I thought, well, that's probably the, like my last shot. And I just, you know, this, I'll just go back to doing what I know how to do few weeks go by I'm in a, like a real depression like going to like falling asleep crying every night because I'm so depressed drugs drinking and I get this package in the mail it's actually uh, a bible with my name inscribed on it uh, Cynthia had sent it to me as like a last ditch effort to sort of change my mind about the gospel which I think is beautiful she should have just left and like forgot about me but she sent me a gospel, a Bible with my name inscribed on it. And I saw that and I got so angry. Like, who does she think she is? Like sending me this, this fairy tale. Like who, who would ever do such a, a arrogant thing, right? And I saw my name inscribed on it because my first thought was, I'm just going to go outside and throw it in a garbage can. But I had this weird thought, like I was pretty insecure at that time in my life. If I throw that away, and I lived in an apartment complex and we all knew each other and partied together. And somebody sees my name in that Bible. I'd be really embarrassed. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it was. So I took the Bible. I chucked it into the corner of my room and started packing dirty clothes on top of it as like a, yeah, that'll show them. <laughs> so so <laughs> that's crazy. I know. So I go back into my life, but I'm so depressed and, and I'm starting to have these thoughts like, I don't know if I can live anymore. This is really terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. That girl was really pretty. She's very smart. She believes in Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus, but maybe there's something in there that could help me. Like, you know, some philosophical truths or some like 
little nuggets of wisdom. You know, let's try to fit this into my own moral standard. So I began to read the gospel of Matthew, which is not usually where people start reading. They, you know, they go to John or something, like John three sixteen, which would have made sense. But I went to Matthew because I do things my way, right? Like, argh. so I go to Matthew and I start reading how Jesus engages people and how he like goes where nobody else wants to be heals people that nobody else wants to be around. And I start to have some second guess guesses about who needs to be in charge of my life. And I take a walk. Uh, I remember taking a walk thinking I've got to make a decision today because I don't think I'm going to last too much longer. If I don't, and I'm taking a walk and I have this thought in my head. Okay, God, if you're Jesus and you're real, you should be able to speak for yourself. Okay. You should be able to, to tell me things that you want to tell me on your own behalf without somebody else having to do it for you. So I, I'm taking, I know this is crazy sounded, but I took, took a walk down a road, busy highway. People are going this way. I'm walking on the sidewalk that way. And I just said, God, if you're real, just tell me, cause I don't think I want to do this life thing anymore. So just, just tell me. And as soon as I said that, I think is probably what my atheist friend experienced. I felt lightning begin to come through my body, just power, just this like charge of energy. It's the best way to describe it. I know it's not new age. I'm not like rubbing crystals or anything like that, but that's what I felt. Just this charge of energy. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, what's that? I just began weeping. Like right there, the car is going back. I'm just weeping like, man, what is happening right now? And then I hear a voice. Ah, just thinking about it, man. This really gets me excited. I hear a voice. And I, I hear the voice say, John, who, who wants to guess what it said next? I love you. John, I love you. I just broke. I just started crying right there in the busy highway I was walking on. I ran home, got my little Bible, said, Jesus, I don't really know what's next, but I give you my life. I called her because I didn't know who else to call. I didn't have any Christian friends. I called her and I said, hey, uh, I know you don't really want to hear from me, but I just gave my life to Jesus. What's next? She started crying. I'm like, what the, what the heck? Why is this girl crying? That's where my, my, my walk with Jesus began was hearing him say to me, John, I love you. That was really important for me because the next 15 years were not easy. Unattaching my heart from alcohol, unattaching my heart from uh, lustful thinking, unattaching my heart from the cares of the world. It's not easy. But I had this, 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 I think it's the same thing that Mary experienced in Luke 2. It says that she stored things up in the treasure room of her heart. See, we, we, so often we say, you've got to forget the things of the past, which is half true. You do. You have to forget the things that are keeping you stuck in the past, but you also have to carry the things that God has brought you through as a reminder of where you're going, because life is not easy. But just because life is not easy does not give you the permission to stop being the light you were called to be. First uh, Kings 17, David is out before uh, the armies of Israel and the Philistines. He's going out there to give his brothers lunch, but he hears that the, the King Saul is going to give anyone a reward who can kill the giant Goliath, right? Everybody else is terrified. Everybody else is afraid. Nobody else wants to go to battle, but David hears that there's going to be a, a, a lifetime of no taxes and a pretty girl. If he can kill this giant, I love rewards. <laughs> Who else loves rewards? God loves rewards, right? 
All of us came to Jesus because of what he could do to, for us. After we come to him, though, we begin to learn how we can give our lives back to him so that others can become free as we did. And, and David comes before Saul and, Saul and he's telling Saul, hey, I totally got this. I'm the best guy out here for this. Saul's like, I'm not really sure. Look at all these soldiers. They're all terrified. And you're going to do this? Why are you going to do this? And he goes, look, bro, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. It's the same thing. And I'm pretty sure Saul's like, it's not the same thing. It's not. This guy's been trained since youth to be a warrior. That's, that's the text of the scripture, actually. It says he's been trained as at, from the age of youth to fight in battle. He's a giant. He's 10 feet tall. You're going to get decimated, dude. He's like, Saul, bear, lion, I got this. See, it's not really the same thing, is it? But it actually is the same thing. See, the point is not what you're fighting. The point is the power that you've been given to win the fight. See, David had fought the bear, so he fought the giant. David had fought the lion, so he had fought the giant. You've worked through things in the past, so now you're prepared to work through bigger things in the future. See, you've been brought to this place. You're here because there's a, a continued purpose for your life. It's not the end of your story. You've got to stop looking at what you don't understand. Quit looking at the things that you have to fight next and begin remembering what God has done in days before. See, it gets really overwhelming to, to deal with the issues of the heart when all you're focused on is what you can't control. Newsflash, you've never been in control. You've never been in control. God's grace and sovereignty has been big enough to move you forward. But then there comes a point in your walk with Jesus, the, the place of decision where both armies are lined up and there's a giant standing before you and you're going to go get the reward and bring freedom to many others. Or you're going to fit in line with all the other cowards. Are you going to go back to what everybody else is doing? <laughs> yeah, she's so cute. <laughs> See, part, part of the issue of allowing yourself to walk in lifetime of unresolved sin is that you inherit a, a coward spirit, right? When you make room for one, you have to eventually make room for many more. When you give your heart over to something you weren't created for, you begin to worship it, worship it eventually. See what David was doing was he wasn't actually, he wasn't more skilled than anybody else. It wasn't the fact that he had a rock and a sling. Like the whole story is ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing that makes sense is that God's power, grace, and victory was consistent in the shepherd field as it was in the battlefield. It's the only part of the story that's consistent. And you're sitting here today and God has said, you're the light of the world. You've seen him do pretty cool things in, in the past and in, in different parts of your life. But there's something more that you have to keep moving into. And it requires that you not look at what you don't understand or what you can't control. But you remember, God, I've done this with the bear. I've done this with the lion. I heard you say you love me. I know what your word says about my life. I'll get this just like I got that because you've not changed and you still Enjoy me. This is what I want to do. I want to break the coward spirit off of us this morning, myself included. 
We do that not by like striving and doing harder, doing, pretending to do better. We do that by being recalibrated in the love of God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. If we can get uh, the, the worship team up. And anybody else who, who would like leadership who would like to pray. And if you'll just stand with me. Holy Spirit, Father, we make room for you. We make room for you. Lord, we don't want to lead this. We don't want to be in charge. We, we want to make room for you, God, so you can come and do what you want to do. And Holy Spirit, we, we come before you today. We, we repent for being passive and complacent about this great victory story that you've called us up into. Father, we repent. We lay aside the desire to please our flesh. We lay aside the desire to hide sin. We lay aside the desire to stay stuck where we are right now. Father, we say no more. Father, and we come against the spirit of cowardness, the spirit of fear. We break it now in Jesus' name. And we say, Lord, search me and seek me and know me and expose me so that I can be led upon the path of righteousness. So Holy Spirit, would you come? And Father, as we lay down that right to be in control of ourselves, as we lay down that desire to be the leader of our own lives, Lord, would you meet us with your love? Would you meet us with your love? In the same way, Lord, that you met me 15 years ago, Jesus, would you meet us right now? Would you begin to speak, I love you. I love you. It's a simple gospel. He just loves you. He chose you from the foundations of, of creation to prosper you, to care for you, to nurture you, to make you holy and righteous within the life and the blood of his son, Jesus. So Lord, we come before you to receive right now. And Lord, we, we come before you with the hard places of life, knowing that only you can bring honey from the rock. Only you can bring honey from the rock. So if you want to receive prayer for that this morning, I'm just going to invite you forward. We're just going to make a, a, a bold commitment today that because he loves us, we will be the light of the world. So if you want to receive prayer, just come forward now. Come on, just come. If you're hungry to receive a new anointing from Holy Spirit this morning, just come forward now. Ho shanne sanne la la kora ba sanne de de ora ba sanne shanna na 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 ye Come Holy Spirit Come Holy Spirit Come Holy Spirit And Mr. Steam if you could start praying for folks Lord we give you our hearts back right now Father we we rip them away from the hands of this world we give them back to you right now Shaka, 